Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show. How about them Niners? Just like that, the San Francisco 49ers have shown signs of life. After what, in their words, was an embarrassing loss to the Arizona Cardinals last week, they had a resounding victory, 31-10, to over the division rival Los Angeles Rams. This is a Rams team who had newly acquired Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. This was a Rams team that was coming off a really tough loss to the Titans. That being said, this was a pretty big statement game from San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers have won five straight against Sean McVay and the Rams. But this is a game in which the 49ers may have just found their identity. We have seen a very up and down, mainly down season from this team. But on Monday Night Football, we saw a team that won the turnover battle. We saw a team that played a very good game of defense. We saw a team that ran the ball 44 times. Kyle Shanahan had challenged San Francisco to run it 40 times. They went with 44. Pretty fantastic. 44 runs for 156 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo had a great game. Not numbers that are absolutely absolutely going to wow you, but got everything done as he needed to get done and made some big time plays, which we'll get into more with our guest. And of course, Debo Samuel. It's his world. We're just living in it. It was really quite the game from San Francisco. And this is a team that now goes on to play the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Seattle Seahawks, teams that are combined 9 and 18 through 10 weeks. So can they keep this going? Time will tell. Very, very excited to bring on our guest. So let's get to it. All right, guys, I am very, very, very excited. That's a lot of varies to welcome senior sports reporter for the Sacramento Bee and co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast, Chris Biederman to the Tracy Sandler show. Chris, how's it going? It's good. It's a little weird. It's a new show. It's a new space. I'm chill- I'm still trying to feel things out, but I'm happy for you. I'm happy. I'm happy this is all happening. Well, thank you very much. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Chris and I are also very good friends, so he has to say things like that, but I do think he means them. <laughs> so. Yeah, most of the time. Most of the time he does. Yes, for sure. Most of the time he definitely does. Uh, Chris, we saw a very different football game last night than the ones we've been watching recently from the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, we did. And what was funny, like, I feel silly, you know, there's what's funny in the NFL is, you know, what you think is going to happen often doesn't happen. And often it's the exact opposite of what you think is going to happen. And so going into the game, I had sort of had the idea and you and I talked about it like, man, this really could be a blowout favoring the Rams, just given that the way the 49ers played the previous week against Arizona mm-hmm. and going into it, you're like, well, we have the information that the 49ers couldn't beat a team that they needed to beat with its backup quarterback. Like they couldn't win that game on its home field. They hadn't won at Levi stadium in well over a year. Like things just seem to be trending the wrong direction, right? And then, of course, the exact opposite happens. They come out and thump the Rams after everybody expected it to be a blowout. And so that just goes to show, like, sometimes the most infeasible thing based on the information we have is what's actually going to happen. 
Well, and in, I think in fairness to pretty much everybody in the NFL world, even in the 49ers wins before this, we didn't really see anything that made us think, no, they really do have the ability to beat a team like the Rams, a team with so much talent, a team that a team had just added Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr., which remains to be seen how much those additions actually help. But and not take away from anything from those players, but you know, a lot of egos aren't always the best thing. But anyways, I digress. Nothing we had seen from this team led us to believe that they could perform like this. And I think you and I had talked about this too. At some point, I always felt it was interesting that no one could pinpoint what was going wrong. And that also was a reason I wasn't sure they could really pull this out since they were like, yeah, no, we're not executing. It's in the details. We just don't seem to know what the details are to how to, or how to fix them. But uh, th- somewhere along the way, they figured it out. Yeah. And if you've covered the team as long as you and I have, you've seen, you know, like the Chip Kelly year where it was like, well, we're not exactly sure, but we think we're close. And then they come out and throw up another stinker and then they finish two and 14. Right. Mm -hmm. And Kyle Shanahan absolutely has more equity than Chip Kelly, just because we have seen the 49ers be good. We just haven't seen them uh, be good, really, or look like a playoff team and have a complete performance up until Monday night's game against the Rams. So it was, you know, it's hard to predict something we haven't seen yet from them all season. And and frankly, like that game included a lot of stuff that just hasn't happened. They won the turnover battle for once, right? Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. played a really clean game, was really good on third down. The 49ers entered the game, uh, one of the worst teams in the league in, in turnover differential and one of the worst teams in the league in third down. And those are both areas that they were excellent against the Rams, right? So Um, And they also, you know, frankly, sometimes in the NFL, you benefit from a little bit of luck and you benefit from getting a team that's not playing its best. And I would say the Rams did not play well at all last night. And it wasn't entirely it wasn't entirely of the 49ers doing, but the 49ers were in position to capitalize on a lot of the Rams mistakes. And so that's that's what you have to do in the NFL. Sometimes you get those breaks and sometimes you don't. And that could be the difference between a closely contested game and, and a blowout, which is what which is what that 31 to to 10 score ended up indicating. And we've seen them this year not capitalize on the other team's mistakes. But you had Matthew Stafford pretty much throw the ball to Jimmy Ward. I mean, really seemed to be his intended receiver. So I guess a (laughs) completion, congratulations. Uh, And then the 49ers answer with an 11-minute scoring drive. And then a few minutes later, you have Jimmy Ward with the pick six. But I have to say, even at that point, I wasn't convinced because we've seen it. Uh, And we saw in week one them dominate the Lions and then almost lose to the Lions, which full circle because, you know, Goff and Stafford and all the things. But anyways, uh, so that I think was was very interesting. And like you said, they won the turnover battle. Jimmy Garoppolo played a great game. They were great on third down. So now the question is, can they continue on this trend? They have the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Seattle Seahawks coming up next. These teams are combined nine and 18. You know, they need to, but they need to play like they played yesterday against all of them. But all of a sudden they are back in the hunt, which is right. amazing for a team that's four and five. But right, exactly. And, and you know, I, I think about the context of, of the 2019 season a lot, right? And And thinking about that season, you go back and say, well, you know, early on, you remember like the first half of the season until they went down and beat the Rams in October. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly what it was. The Niners beat up on a bunch of bad teams. Right. And yeah. people were like, well, mm-hmm. they're winning these games, but they haven't really played anybody yet. But 
the broader point was the thing that was a bigger indicator than their opponents was how they were winning those games. Mm -hmm. And they were doing exactly what they did last night, right? They were controlling the tempo with the running game. The defense was playing really well and forcing turnovers. Um, and they were just winning that way. It was a very clear and apparent formula. And they had, hadn't had a game where they successfully implemented that formula this year, even though that's what they want to be. Right. So it was really the first time that they've done that. And the difference between that 2019 team and this one is that 2019 team did it every week. Right. So that that's ultimately the key here. That's that's what differentiates the good teams from the bad teams. It's not can you win a football game because we've seen the Jaguars beat the Buffalo Bills. Right. right. It's can you play at a high level week in and week out? And to this point, that's been the 49ers issue is that they haven't been able to play consistently at a high level, which has drawn all the criticism. Now that I said it after the bears game on our own podcast, like I don't know if this bears game really means anything because they have to follow it up the next week and win again. Right. right. And then they came back and, and had a stinker at home against a Colt McCoy led Cardinals where I, I feel similarly about this Rams game. It's like, all right, that's great. You've proven you can do that, but we, we know you can win football games. It's just how many can you win? How consistent can you be week in and week out? And ultimately, that's the test of the rest of the season. And, and that's what's going to define the rest of the season and whether or not you know they get to the playoffs or not. Because you look at the coaching staff, you look at the talent and, and what they have. This is a team that's good enough to go to the playoffs. And they were among the betting favorites entering the season to win the NFC West, which has proven to be it's probably not the best division in the NFL right now, but it's probably in the top two or three. Mm -hmm. Um and the 49ers are, you know, in third place in that division because they haven't just matched that consistency. So they do have a really nice stretch, as you pointed out. They have a trip to Jacksonville, which will be tough on a short week, yep. just making that trip um, and a. having Pacific a 10 a.m. Start. start. Yep. Yeah. And like that, that will be difficult, but it's absolutely a game they should win. And then they'll have a really good benchmark game against Minnesota, who's also competing for that final wild card spot. Um, they have Atlanta down the road also at home, mm -hmm. which benefits them in, in terms of the competition for that wild card spot. So the point here is, you know, NFL players and coaches, it's a cliche. They talk about stacking wins and stacking days and all that. But it's really true for this team because that's been their issue is it's not, you know, can they win games? It's how consistently can they play well and put themselves in a position to to get themselves out of the rut they started in by beginning three and five. And going back to what you said about the Bears game, I, I agree with you. And I think we talked about that at, at the time. I may have, I can't remember if I was on your podcast after that, but I think we talked a little about that. I do think the way they won this game was so different than that Bears game. The Bears game to me was they won. They were playing a not very good Chicago Bears football team and the 49ers played well enough to beat them. Uh, and there seemed to be, there was a lot of excitement after that game. And, and I could understand it from a football perspective, but it felt like a lot of excitement and a lot of celebration for a game that they also could have easily lost if a couple things had gone a different way. And I think what we saw last night, aside from the fact that, th that they dominated and certainly played like quote unquote, their brand of football, it was a measured level of excitement. I think it was, it was a little bit different. Um, and you know, Kyle Shanahan said after the game, he didn't give anybody the game ball. And, and I asked about that today, like, were the highs too high before? Were the lows too low? And he said, well, you know, for the Bears game, we gave it to Mitch Wisnowski. He just had a baby. We gave it to Garoppolo because he had such a good game and, he, you know, from Chicago. But there was a different level last night. It just felt, or Monday night, it just felt a little bit more measured and maybe finally sinking in. This is, this is a long season and we've got a long way to go.
Yeah, and I think they took it personally, right? Like, they, yeah. you know, you had a few different guys, including Kyle Shanahan and Fred Warner, say they were embarrassed by the way they came out against Arizona because they, they really needed that game, right? They had already mm-hmm. lost to Arizona, and losing it basically ensures that they're not going to win the division. I know that's, you know, it's early to say, but when you lose to a division leader twice early mm-hmm. in the season, and given, you know, the Rams have played at a high level for most of the season and the 49ers hadn't, and the 49ers had already lost to the Seahawks, like that was just a game that they really needed to win. So they, they had a different perspective this week, which is, which is really what stood out to me. And, and Trent Williams said after the game, like every game from here on out is personal. We have to take mm-hmm. it personally. And I, I think there was, I don't, I don't want to call it complacency, mm-hmm. but uh, I and I think this is true sort of about the the way we've talked about the team, not not you and I per se, just us, but like the, the entire conversation around the 49ers has been, you know, leading into the season, this team has Super Bowl aspirations largely because of what they did in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I think what was undervalued was the 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 losses of DeForest Buckner and Joe Staley and Richard Sherman who were such important players on those like those were three of their dogs right like you heard Steve Young talk about it leading into the game like the biggest difference between this team and that team was that it didn't it doesn't have the dogs like the, mm-hmm. those those dudes those tone setters who not only during games but during the week of practice who elevate the standard of everybody else and some of that it could be attributed to maybe George Kittle being hurt and missing some time with that calf injury um, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, being out of the lineup for for a game because of because of his calf injury, and then all the Trey Lance stuff, and um, you know, just th- there's there's been sort of a vacuum of of that power in in the locker room, it seems like, and that sort of manifested itself on the field. And so, you know, you you get to a point now where you win a game, you put this under your belt, you've been humbled a little bit, knowing that like, all right we can't replicate 2019 by just stepping on the field, right? Like we need, we're a different team and we have to go earn the wins that we get. And I think that's one of the lessons that they'll have. And even Kyle Shanahan will is, is learning that lesson right now, in my opinion, because, you know, he was a large part of the discussion, even coming from Shanahan is, you know, we believe we can win because of what we did in 2019. And we've, we have guys, we have a lot of guys on that Super Bowl roster that we've brought back. But it's entirely it's an entirely different situation now because you have George Kittle on a second contract making top of the top of the market money. You have Fred Warner on a second contract making top of the market money. You sign Trent Williams, who obviously a great player, but is just a different dynamic from from Joe Staley in terms of you know leadership and, and those type of things. And then you don't have Richard Sherman and your secondary is in a completely different uh, different space than it was back in 2019 when it was one of the best in the league. So mm-hmm. um Ultimately, the the lesson here is they need to, in order to reestablish themselves as a power in the NFC, in my opinion, they need to forget 2019, stop trying to replicate 2019 and realize we need to earn everything we get. Um, And ultimately, I think that was that that is that that could be the theme coming from the Monday night win over the Rams is like, all right, this isn't going to be as easy as us just, you know, as easy as just showing up and playing. We actually need to go out and and beat these teams because 2019 no longer matters and nobody cares. And with 2019 and taking nothing away from what they did, it was a season where pretty much everything went right. There was very little that went wrong. There was the Quan Alexander injury um, on that Thursday night football game in Arizona, the feels great baby game, um, as I like to call it. But uh, on on that game, other than that, though, pretty much everything went right. 
They didn't and get blown on, out. All their losses were at the last second. They went 13 yeah. and three and didn't have, didn't really have a bad game all year. No. And they didn't, they weren't losing people left. Right. It was just a very different kind of this T this year. It's almost like nothing has gone right. Like really is everything that has gone wrong could have gone wrong, which was similar to 2020, which we kind of all just put as a, as an anomaly. But you know, the reality is right now, 2019 is the anomaly. That's the aberration. The rest yeah. of it, this is what we've seen is more like what we've seen these these first several weeks of the season. So can they can they turn that around if they continue to play like that? And if they realize that they really do have to beat teams, then yes. But I think that's also a huge difference between these two seasons. Um, you know, and, Jimmy Rock. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And in, and in 2019, like, you know, they're kind of playing with house money. They thought they were going to be good, but it was like nobody expected them to be good. There were they didn't go into the season coming off, you know, losing Jimmy Garoppolo for basically all of 2018 with that knee injury saying, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're we think we're going to go to the Super Bowl. It was like, all right, well, we have a good team and, and we think we can be competitive. And then they just sort of took off like a rocket ship. Right. Mm-hmm. This year, the expectations were different in that they expected to be a Super Bowl team, which is always a little bit more difficult than having that chip on your shoulder where like nobody expects anything from you. And then there's also the quarterback dynamic of Kyle Shanahan basically telling the world and the locker room, like, we don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo long term, so we're going to invest three picks in his replacement. And then ultimately, your season sort of becomes a contradiction, right? If you're mm-hmm. if you think, you know, when, when you're starting Jimmy Garoppolo and and putting your full backing of, of him during the season while Trey Lance is just kind of sitting there. Like it's it can be tough when you're losing games. And I think we saw that. Right. And I think Kyle Shanahan has learned a lot over these last few weeks in terms of how to handle that quarterback situation. We're probably not going to see Trey Lance. But the bigger point here is like in 2021, after you get Trey Lance and make that trade and still run with Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to accomplish one of two things. At least you have to win games and go to the playoffs or you have to develop Trey Lance. And the issue was. At three and five, losing, you know, only beating teams with losing records in Detroit, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, and Chicago, not winning a home game. Like they weren't doing either of those things. Trey Lance is not developing because he's not getting any playing time. And you're not winning games with Jimmy Garoppolo. So ultimately, like, if that trend continued, which it still can, by the way, I don't like yeah. I feel I feel a lot different about the 49ers coming out of that win Monday night. But that's still really the the cloud hanging over the season is like if they don't develop Trey Lance and they don't get to the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo starting, then ultimately they just wasted a year mm-hmm. essentially. Right. And I know mm-hmm. that's like a grim way to put it, but it's like true, that's the, the only way that this could be a successful season is if Jimmy Garoppolo gets you to the playoffs as a starter, or you give mm-hmm. Trey Lance enough reps to where in 2022, when more than likely he's going to be your starting quarterback, he has a breath of experience to, to lean on and, and further his development. Right. So you can, so you can hit the ground, running next season with Trey Lance as your starting quarterback instead of next year being Trey Lance sort of being the starter for the first time, getting his feet wet for the first time. And then you really, you know, in that case, like the Patrick Mahomes thing, becoming an MVP, his first year as a starter, like that just doesn't happen. And that's sort of what the 49ers would need to happen if they were going to contend for a Super Bowl if Trey Lance doesn't get any experience this year. So that that's ultimately the thing to me is like they either need to win games or develop Trey Lance. And last night proved that maybe they can still win games with Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback, which would make 2021 a worthwhile season. But if it if they don't make the playoffs and it's like, man, we just we just treaded water for a year. And, and now we have uncertainty at quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo can't get us to the playoffs. And 
Trey Lance hasn't gotten any time. So that's ultimately what I think the rest of the season is aside from just the, the whether or not they can win games. Like that's ultimately what I'm going to be looking at for the rest of the season. Well, and so my question would be with eight games left at this point, does, is it really have to be the former? I mean, at this point you're, you let's assume, let's assume in, we're just going to assume, even though we should assume nothing because it's the NFL and these are the 49ers, but let's assume Jimmy Garoppolo plays well on Sunday and they beat the Jaguars. Then they have this game against Minnesota. Let's say he plays fine. Okay. And maybe, Maybe they win that game. Maybe they don't. Now they have six games left in the season. Is it too late to develop Trey Lance? Is it at this point like, well, here, we're going to have to go with this. We're going to have to go with the former. I mean, I think you like he he is learning, right? Like he is in mm-hmm. the building. He is in the quarterback room. He is getting, you know, scout team reps at practice, but he's mm-hmm. not he's not getting the starters reps like he's not really getting any significant reps at practice. Um you know, that's tough. Like I would, I would say a handful of starts. Like if you give him, you know, he's already started one. So if you give him two or three more, then that, I mean, that that's better than nothing, but you're probably not getting those starts until you're basically eliminated from the playoffs. Right. And the thing is with the seventh seed now and the Niners being half a game back somehow at four and five, I mean, you might be able to sneak into the playoffs with what, eight, nine wins. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. The, so the 49ers need to win four. You know, they need to win half their remaining games to get to the playoffs. Like that's that's certainly feasible because they do have a lot of winnable games coming up on the schedule, including, you know, Minnesota and Who they're uh, fighting Houston. with for that spot. I mean, that yeah. Minnesota, they're fight- Yeah, that's an important and Atlanta that's a really like they have they're they're fighting with Minnesota and Houston for that seventh spot and they get those teams at home coming up. Um, as the season winds down and then they get another game against Seattle. Also, they have to go to Cincinnati, which is, is going to be a tougher game than, than we initially thought when the schedule came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of developing Trey Lance, like to me, what would really be valuable would be like two or three starts. Cause mm-hmm. you remember, like it was, it was really like, it took Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017. I would say like the third or fourth start where it really felt like, okay, we've learned enough about Jimmy Garoppolo to where we can, we can feel comfortable giving him a contract and making him our franchise quarterback going forward. And and I sort of look at the Trey Lance situation in, in similar terms in that, like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo got five starts to end that year. And fi- like Trey Lance is more than likely not going to get five starts unless Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. But that to me is sort of what you need in order to make your quarterback decision. Because frankly, like, I think the 49ers need to make their quarterback decision soon. Like for 2022, mm-hmm. like I don't think you can linger. You can let it linger into the offseason. I, I, if they're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, I would expect that to happen like in February, right? Mm-hmm. Before like free agency starts. So you can clear that money and you can try to fortify other positions on the roster. Um, because otherwise you're going to put yourself in purgatory. If you bring Jimmy Garoppolo back and you're like, well, we're going to bring Jimmy back for preseason. And then, we're going to let them, you know, compete for the starting job. Like to me, that that is a potentially a disaster, right? Because yeah. the context of winning a quarterback battle doesn't always equate to who gives you a better shot at winning games, right? Like mm-hmm. being better on the practice field doesn't necessarily mean you're the better quarterback. Correct. So there's, there's always that too. Like, I mean, the financial component is what it is. I, I you know, I, there's, there's discussion about what the 49ers could get for Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade and, and his salary. 
to me, I know people say his his contract makes him untradeable. To me, it would seem like Jimmy Garoppolo he has one year and $24 million left on his deal after this season. I think Jimmy Garoppolo would be amenable to a trade if it led to getting a new remade two-year contract, say $35 million. Mm-hmm. right? $17 million for Jimmy Garoppolo feels about right, right? Like he's not mm-hmm. a quarterback that's going to be worth 30, 35 million, which is what you see all these guys getting, mm-hmm. but 17 million. And then ensuring that he gets guarantees like to me, like Denver or Pittsburgh or Houston or Washington, those teams could conceivably and justifiably invest, you know, a third or fourth round pick in trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, giving him a two-year contract to make him their, their bridge quarterback until you know, they find a better solution or give him an opportunity to earn another contract. Like, I think Jimmy Garoppolo does have trade value in that sense, not at $24 million for one year. But I think if Garoppolo, if the Niners work with Garoppolo's camp, they could say, all right, we want to trade you to just an example, Denver. Mm -hmm. And they want to give us a conditional fourth round pick that if you start 17 games and we have a, you know, 500 record or better, it turns into a third round pick. Like mm-hmm. to me, that makes sense for all sides. And so ultimately that that's a scenario that I, that I could see happening in terms of the way the 49ers move on from Trey Lance. I know that's not the answer to your question. Move on from, from Jimmy Garoppolo. You mean, <laughs> you mean move on from Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, yeah. Move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. I know. <laughs> it's every- not, but you brought up a more, another interesting point in question. So I don't mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, but ultimately like a, a more succinct way and, and a less ranty way would be to just say like, probably two or three starts for Trey Lance would be like enough for me to feel like, okay, he got actual value, valuable experience this year. We're not just going to throw him out to the wolves with just that one start against Arizona. Right. And that was, that was literally like throwing him out to the wolves. That was a tough, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was, that was a tough one. So we look ahead, we look ahead of the season and you brought up, you know, a number of games that are winnable games. And so the thing is with football and with the NFL, what will probably happen is they'll lose one of those games that they absolutely should win. And then they'll win a game that we feel maybe there's no chance. So I don't know that they have that many of those games left. I think Cincinnati will be a tough game. I think the Rams will be tough in LA and the Rams were embarrassed on Monday night football. So they got to go to, they got to go to Tennessee on a Thursday and they got to go to Tennessee on a Thursday. So you've got some, they've got some, they definitely have some tough games ahead and they have some winning game, winning games. They have winnable. I can speak winnable <laughs> games ahead. Um, I hope they're winnable. I hope that isn't like a sign of them not being winnable because I can't get it out. Uh, but they, they do. So, you know, these final eight games, there's a high likelihood this team does go to the playoffs. And then of course it's a matter of how, how far they go, but more in the immediate, do you feel this team, and I guess it's going to be hard to answer until Sunday, and it may be hard to answer until the Minnesota game, but do you feel that this team maybe did, in fact, find their identity? And it's such a cliche thing to, to say, but I also think it's very true and very important in football. It just, because what felt, before last night, it felt like every week this team kind of did not know what it was doing. And the wins were kind of just, yeah, that worked out well. But it wasn't like anybody really knew what they were doing or why they were doing it. Do you feel that that changed long term on Monday night? Yeah, you know, it. it's tough to say because I do think there's a certain comfort level they feel in just playing the Rams, right? Like yeah. they're 5-0 and against the Rams and Kyle Shanahan sort of owns Sean McVay, as you tweeted so cleverly on Monday night. Kyle yeah, Shanahan it, it might went as well, a little viral. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Shanahan might as well uh, file Sean McVay as a, um, as a dependent on his tax returns, which is clever. 
Thank you. It's the only reason Chris is here, guys, because he was like, well, your retreat was clever and it went viral. So I want to, you know, pick up on that. And I get it. It's fine. Um, but, you know, we saw against the Arizona game or in in the Arizona game, Kyle Shanahan only called 11 running plays, which was the fewest since he became coach in 2017, in large part because Arizona was stacking the line of scrimmage basically with with six defensive linemen and and you know making and which led to Kyle Shanahan throwing the ball a ton because you know that's what the defense dictated and it didn't work right like so mm-hmm. so that's ultimately i think the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo in that you can win games with Jimmy Garoppolo when the running game's effective like it was on Monday night mm-hmm. can you win games with Jimmy Garoppolo consistently when you do decide to throw the ball over and over again. And so I wonder, I was a little surprised the Rams didn't do more loading up in the line of scrimmage and just taking away the run and saying, hey, you know, beat us with Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. Um, But they didn't do that. And I do wonder if teams are going to watch all the tape now and just say, all right, the Cardinals had success with doing this and, and Kyle Shanahan will call more passing plays if we design our defense this way. Um, And so you know, maybe that is that that that's the hurdle. I think the 49ers are going to have to be able to overcome, and that falls on Jimmy Garoppolo, who's playing a lot better these last three weeks. He's had a he's had a really good three weeks, and I think you you can't really take that away from him. Yeah, I and mean, he's can, always been he you know he's always been sort of a slower starter during the season. Like Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. has typically played, and even in 2019, this was true. He's typically played his best football in November and December, and obviously 2017 when he was red hot at the end of that season. Um, well, that, he played his only football in well, right, right. seventeen. But, but I, but I think that you know that's he he just sort of climbs his trajectory as the season goes on. If he can stay healthy, he gets a little bit better and a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so, if the 49ers can win games when they do have to throw and they can't just rely on the running game, that's when I would feel better about them as a potential playoff team. Um, because they do have their they do have their identity. Like I think everybody knows what the identity is. It was just they had been unable to execute it, right? Like they had been unable to bring it into games and play with force and not make mistakes um, and force turnovers on defense to where they could actually execute that identity. And so that like, can they continue doing that? Like, yeah, they found it. That's it's been there all along. It hasn't, you know, the idea has been the same for the most part. But can they, they adjust? Able to do it. Can yeah, they, can they win in different it. in different ways against different opponents? Aside from the Rams, who they dom who they've dominated recently. So that ultimately is going to be the test, and and sort of the ability to be malleable in that way is is what really separates the best teams from the worst ones. And it just so happens the teams that can win multiple ways offensively are the teams with the best quarterbacks. And right. the 49ers have a quarterback who can win one certain way, but we don't know if they can win sustainably playing another certain way. That is correct. And I was I was thinking about this earlier that that last year in 2020, they beat the Rams on a Sunday night football game that was a bit at the time they had to win. It was a really big game. It was going to change the whole season. And didn't uh, I do that? They beat the Rams twice last year. They did, but I'm just saying. I just seven, remember yeah. a prime time Sunday night game in October. Yeah. Um, I remember it well because it was also Game Seven of the NLCS that night. So a lot, lot going on. Um, but <laughs> as I remember it. I remember it well. But you know, this was going to be the thing that changed everything. Th- this team does feel different. So I don't want to. As much as we don't want to talk about 2019, I don't think we can compare this team to 2020 either. But a lot 
remains to be seen. Can they sustain it? And you bring up a, a really good point. I think, you know, we did see in 2019 that Jimmy Garoppolo could win those games where he had to throw a lot. But again, this is a different this is a different team. That was a, so. that was a loaded. Yeah, I mean, the Niners in 2019 had probably the best roster in the NFL. Yes. And so it so it may, so he he could win those games because he didn't have to do it that often, you know, and that's not taking anything away from his ability to win those games. I'm just saying it was different. So, so we'll see, we'll see. It's going to be a lot of, we'll see. I mean, the NFL, especially the season feels like it's every week as a, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it, it just look at what, you know, what happened the, this last week, Washington beating Tampa, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Denver going to Dallas and, you know, beating arguably the best team in the NFL and uh, Buffalo going to Jacksonville and losing like it's mm-hmm. you you can you know, we we have an idea of like what what who the good teams are, but we can't always predict. All right. Who's going to show up this week? That's well, and that's the X factor. And that is yeah. the cliche of what separates them. But I think that it is and it is such a cliche but it just shows that it really is this is like the most cliche thing i maybe have ever said in my life but it really is a game of inches like it you know you can everybody's getting paid mm-hmm. these are still even your worst nfl player is better than everybody else who's not in the nfl maybe not everybody else but you know what i'm saying like all of these guys are getting played to play football these are all athletes at the top of their game so they can all win every week it's just a matter of who can can execute and we finally saw the 49ers do it um but can they sustain it and can they find different ways to win i think you nailed it as you always do chris biederman uh but you know that's that's going to be the question that has to get answered and it would somehow it would not surprise me if this team had a dominant win on Monday night football and then went to jacksonville and lost to the jaguars so you know it'll be it would be very it'd be so very them sorry right their their flaws (laughs) didn't just disappear no Right. Like they still have them um, and they, you know, they're not going to go away anytime soon because I think their flaws are mostly roster based. Yes. Right. I I don't think it's it's an X's and O's issue. And I do think, you know, as much as I've talked about the fact that they should have just started Trey Lance from the jump. And as time goes on, it, you know, it seems like they probably should have just tried to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo as soon as they made the trade to move up from 12 to three in the draft Mm -hmm. to take Trey Lance like because Trey Lance ultimately could have benefited from the entire training camp of first team reps and um, all the, you know, Trey Lance would have nine starts to this point, right? Mm -hmm. Assuming he stayed healthy. So that, but Kyle Shanahan has proven that they can win games with Jimmy Garoppolo, but we've also gotten a complete Jimmy Garoppolo experience where it's like, all right, Jimmy Garoppolo stinks and the Niners lose. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, isn't as effective, misses a game, right? And then Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo plays really nice for 3 weeks and then, you know, we'll see what happens, but the roller coaster experience with Jimmy Garoppolo is sort of why Kyle Shanahan wants to move on at some point. Right. Because it's like we can't ride this roller coaster every year. We need some stability and we and ultimately for for us us I'm speaking Kyle Shanahan in Shanahan's voice. I don't know if you Are can you tell wi- or not. Are you- are you doing? Are you making this a we? <laughs> Did you just become a we? <laughs> but if, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're saying ultimately we need a top five quarterback if mm-hmm. we want to sustainably contend in the NFL because that's really the the one thing that's most replicable across the league. Like there are a lot of teams, like the Eagles in 2017, for example, they mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl with the backup quarterback because they had the best roster in the NFL, 
And that was sort of what the 49ers were in 2019. Now that we get further and further removed from it, it was about the roster, the defense and Jimmy Garoppolo played well enough, but Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to carry your franchise. Like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, et cetera. Like he needs to be part of a really good collective, not the guy who lifts everybody up around him by the way he plays. Um, So that's the transition that Kyle Shanahan ultimately wants to make, but he's still clinging on to the idea that, you know, we have guys who can get us to the playoffs and potentially contend with Jimmy Garoppolo because we did do it in 2019. But the fact is, this is, isn't the same roster. And it, it, that's what makes it so weird is like he recognizes that enough to go get Trey Lance. But he still wants to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo because Trey Lance is ready. And like Trey Lance not being ready is ultimately on Kyle Shanahan. Right. So that's yeah. That's sort of the whole thing. Anyway, yeah. I've been no, and ranting and digressing along. No, but but I think you bring up a really important point. If he's not ready, that that 100% falls on the head coach. And if they make it to the playoffs with Jimmy Garoppolo and then get beat in the first round, uh, and then they come back next year and Trey Lance isn't ready, that all falls on the head coach too. And I worry for Twitter. I might just stay off it for life. Can, but can I ask you a question? You could, Of course you can. What in your mind would define a successful season for the 49ers in terms of like how far they go. I think that's a really, it's a really good question. Uh, My answer today is very different than if you'd asked me this on July 27th. I think at this point in terms of specifically of how far they go. Yeah. I think they would have to make the playoffs and they'd have to win a game. They would have to win one playoff game. I think if they, if they get to the second, you know, the second round of the playoffs, you know, when they end up having to play a team like an, I don't, I don't have how it, all the scenarios in front of me, but if they have to play a team like Dallas and they lose to Dallas or, you know, a team of that caliber, I think that's one thing, but I think they need to win a playoff game. Yeah. If they I, I get think there I and lose, then the, I, then I still think the season was a waste. Yeah. I, I think I agree. If they get into the playoffs and they don't want a playoff game, then it does feel like, treading water a little bit particularly with those Super Bowl expectations coming into the season yeah. I agree with you in that I mean they're not going to get you know barring something miraculous like them going undefeated the rest of the way and everybody in the NFC West losing out they're not going to get a home game in the playoffs that would be something <laughs> yeah like if they get the seven seed they're I mean it's you know they're not getting a home uh, a home game in the playoffs which means no. to get to the Super Bowl they would have to win three straight road games which, now, for them, that may be a positive because winning at home just seemed to be a little bit more difficult. Right. Like they, they could absolutely do it. Like I would, you know, I wouldn't like their chances really like. I mean, I guess they could go to Green Bay. They have the they have the type of football that could win in Green Bay in January. But like I wouldn't like them going to Tampa and facing Brady. Ooh, I no. wouldn't like them going to Dallas, given the way their offense is playing and how many weapons Dak Prescott has and just how high of a level that Dak Prescott is playing at. Um, But like. You know, I mean, if you if you look at the teams that might be hosting playoff games, like I do think the Niners can win. Um, I'm I'm just pulling up the standings here. I don't I don't, okay. wanna, I don't wanna speak too out of turn here, but like they could go to Arizona and win a playoff game. They could they could, they could. go to LA and, and win a playoff game. They could go to New Orleans and win a playoff game. Right. So like they they could they could do those things, um, even if they haven't played all that well in the first half of the season. But yeah, I'm with you. I think a successful season, ultimately, they have to win a playoff game. And then if they win two, then it's bonus. If they win three, then it's greatest season ever. Not greatest season ever, but like a really great season given 
everything that they mm-hmm. had gone through. And obviously beyond that is, is, um, you know, you're talking about parades potentially. So right. I, yeah. I want to get, I, I, wanna, I wouldn't, too- and I wouldn't, and I wouldn't book. Well, I wouldn't book your day yet, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm not canceling. I'm not canceling my, my plans in, in early February just yet. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm with you. Winning a playoff game, I think, would be a successful season. Getting to the playoffs would be like, all right, that's what you should have done. Yeah. Um, losing in the first round is just like, all right, this this wasn't a great year. Because you, you get to the playoffs, you lose in the first round, and then you're still kind of starting from scratch with Trey Lance next year. Is it, right. To me, like I said, it's still, it's still a waste. So, well, Chris, I think we've solved the 49ers and football. So great job. Oh, thanks. I didn't realize that was the goal today. <laughs> it really wasn't, but we did it. So I okay. think we should celebrate that. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's good. It's good. Uh, Chris, please tell everybody where they can find you on the socials. Um, It's at Chris Biederman. Uh, my last name is spelled B-I-D-E-R-M-A-N, which um, I does not make a long E sound in most of English. And there's a long sort of story behind that. But yeah, it's B-I-D-E-R-M-A-N. Same, uh, same name, same handle on Twitter and IG, as I like to call it. Some people like to mm-hmm. call it Insta, which I don't know, kind of makes my skin crawl. Is that fair? <laughs> That's okay. That's totally fine. Insta? I I'm yeah, an, I like e- IG a little better myself. Yeah, I like IG. Um, Instagram's also fine, but yeah, Chris Biederman, <laughs> uh, Twitter and Instagram. That's about it. And Candlestick Chronicles podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Kyle Madsen and I we're actually having some really a really good guest this week. Who? Uh, oh yes, they are. Who's going to hop on in about half an hour? So I do need to prep for that. And uh, yeah, I think we I, the podcast is a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun and we have good conversations. So congratulations would, on your podcast. It's really thank exciting. you. Thank you very much. And I have been a guest on the Candlestick Chronicles and I will say they they are a lot of fun. So make sure you tune into that. Uh, we will tag Chris Biederman on all the things. You guys, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, follow us on Instagram or IG, as Chris would say, at Fangirl Sports Network. And I will talk to everybody later. Bye, all Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.